Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Thursday, October 21st. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Nationwide protests for racial justice last year also included calls to remove or change statues and other public spaces that honor people with ties to slavery and other forms of oppression. The St. Louis region was no exception. We can't undo the history. Moving a statue is not going to erase that. It's a learning opportunity for the whole community. St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmidt reports on those efforts more than a year later in just a few minutes. St. Louis County Executive Sam Page wants to use federal relief funds to plug budgetary holes. As St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum reports, the Democratic official says the move will put off tougher decisions for a couple of years. Page wants to use roughly $85 million in federal funds from what's known as the American Rescue Plan to make up for revenue shortfalls. And uh, will allow us to avoid the difficult conversations about budget cuts because of lost revenue or property tax increases. But using the bulk of American Rescue Plan dollars to fill budgetary holes hasn't been widely embraced on the council, including from Republicans like Councilman Ernie Trakis. Not to say we can't use a good portion of it for lost revenue, but the idea that somehow we're going to just uh, sign off on the full amount, I, I don't think is realistic. The council has until the end of the year to finish work on the 2022 budget. I'm Jason Rosenbaum. St. Louis Public Radio. A state-contracted company offering free COVID-19 tests to Missouri schools hopes more districts sign up. The federal government gave the state $185 million as part of a CDC reopening schools initiative. The state has spent less than $2 million of that money. Karen Hogan is with Ginkgo Bioworks, the state's COVID-19 testing contractor. She says students are able to administer these tests themselves. It's almost like blowing your nose. It's a pretty short, shallow um, swab. And so when you explain it to kids, you know, you just say, hey, let's, let's go right around four times. We often count with them as they're doing it. Hogan made those comments on St. Louis on the Air. So far, 18 districts have signed on for testing through Ginkgo Bioworks. After passing a major criminal justice reform law earlier this year, Democrats in Illinois are pushing for more progressive ideas like allowing prisoners to vote and expanding parole. But as Hannah Meisel reports, Republicans are attempting to use their limited political influence to block those proposals. Violent crime has increased during the pandemic, and a recent FBI report found Illinois' crime rate is above the national average. Republicans are trying to capitalize on growing public concern over violent crime and are calling for reforms like longer mandatory prison sentences for gun crimes and fewer opportunities for early release. GOP lawmakers invited Amber Oberheim, the widow of slain Champaign police officer Chris Oberheim, to speak in favor of their bills. Everything that we dreamed of was stolen by a repeat felon with an illegal gun. Oberheim's shooter, 24-year-old Darian Lafayette, served 60 days after an aggravated domestic battery conviction in 2019 and had previous run-ins with the law. Lafayette was killed by Oberheim's partner on the scene. I'm Hannah Meisel. A state representative from St. Charles has died. Republican Representative Tom Hannigan's district covered parts of St. Charles County. His campaign treasurer, Scott Mell, confirms Hannigan died yesterday after suffering a stroke. 
Hannigan was first elected to the House in 2016 and was one of the few openly gay legislators in the chamber. He sponsored legislation including the expansion of anti-discrimination laws to include a person's sexual orientation or gender identity. Hannigan was publisher of Streetscape magazine, which serves residents and businesses in St. Charles and St. Louis counties. He was 51. Protests supporting the Black Lives Matter movement occurred throughout St. Louis following last year's murder of George Floyd. Some of that energy included calls for removing or changing statues and street names that commemorate people with ties to slavery, genocide, and other atrocities. St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmidt reports on those efforts more than a year later. To make a long story short, not all that much has changed, and that's despite petitions from the public and commitments from some local elected leaders. Back in 2020, the momentum for change appeared strong. In June, Tower Grove Park's Board of Commissioners abruptly decided to remove the statue of Christopher Columbus from its perch at a prominent entrance to the park. Speaking on St. Louis on the Air at the time, Washington University history professor Peter Castor explained these public images are meant to tell a specific story story. To be like a physical history book, to try to convince people of a certain notion of the past, to know who they should venerate and who they should admire. The same day the Columbus statue was removed, St. Louis County Executive Sam Page announced the county government would identify the names of roads, parks, and statues that celebrate people or events that are oppressive. At the time, Page said the county needed to address these symbols in an organized way, not one at a time when specific issues were raised. But the effort stalled, in large part because the county government was consumed with responding to the coronavirus pandemic. A spokesperson for Page says the county wants to restart the effort, but that won't happen until it finishes an internal review of ordinances and policies to make sure they prioritize equity and inclusion. That review is not expected to be completed until next year. There has been some progress to reconsider street names in at least one city. In April, a university city task force suggested renaming four streets in that municipality, Amherst, Jackson, Wilson, and Pershing. City manager Gregory Rose says the city council is focused on changing Jackson Avenue, named for Confederate General Stonewall Jackson. He says the number of homes and businesses on that street make changing it more complicated. It's not only an impact to University City, but also to Clayton, which is another jurisdiction we would need to coordinate with to change the street name. He says any changes to a street name take time because they also bring costs to residents and local businesses. All of the addressing has to change and so that means you have to do an outreach to customers as well as working with the post office and the changing of letterhead and and all of those types of things. Rose says it's hard to predict when any changes will move forward because of the pandemic. He says the city wants to gather feedback from residents and business owners in person, which he expects will happen in the next two months. Each time that one is completed or a decision is made regarding it, we'll approach the council about what street do you want to uh, take a look at next. Another iconic statue came down in St. Louis last month. The Cherokee Street Improvement District decided on its own to remove the 13-foot sculpture of a Cherokee Native American man. Speaking on St. Louis on the Air, sculptor Bill Chrisman agrees with the removal. Times have changed, and the merchants were just hoping to kind of jazz up the neighborhood, help the merchants draw 
customers. So, so it's in a different uh, landscape than it was in 1985. Across the river, residents in Edwardsville have also contended with a controversial statue of their own, a bronze cast of Ninian Edwards in a park near the center of the city. Edwards is the city's namesake and a founding political leader in Illinois. He also owned enslaved people and commanded the Illinois militia, which killed indigenous people and led attacks on their villages. Local activists wanted the statue moved to a setting where the full context of Edwards' legacy would be shared. This year, the city moved the statue off a pedestal, but it's still in the same park it was before. From my point of view, uh, you know, there's more action to come. It's in limbo now. Paul Pitts is the chair of the Edwardsville Human Rights Committee. He's not affiliated with the groups pushing for Edwards' removal, although he says he did want to see the statue come down. Pitts adds he does not want that to be the only thing that happens. We can't undo the history. Moving a statue is not going to erase that. It's a learning opportunity for the whole community if we make it an area that reflects and commemorates everyone who is a part of the Edwardsville community. Pitts says he's optimistic Edwardsville can tackle this sensitive issue, but he adds it won't happen on its own. The whole community needs to come together and agree on a shared resolution. I'm Eric Schmid, St. Louis Public Radio. Our Fred Ehrlich edited that report. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. This has been The Gateway. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at choosewood.com.